get the unmissable news stories of the day. This is the Beijing Hour. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China aims to improve land management to promote high-quality development. The U.S. has proposed a draft U.N. Security Council resolution for a ceasefire in Gaza and the benefits of China's Greater Bay Area plan for the southern city of Macau. In business, a steep drop for China's five-year loan prime rate. In sports, a close match in curling mixed doubles at the China National Winter Games. In culture and entertainment, a museum showcasing artifacts of the Shang Dynasty more than 3,000 years ago. Now checking the day's top stories. General Secretary Xi Jinping of the CPC Central Committee has called for improving land management to promote high-quality development. He was presiding over a meeting of the Central Commission for deepening overall reform. On Monday, Chinese leaders reviewed and adopted guidelines regarding reforming land administration, promoting the country's green transition, enhancing grassroots emergency management capacity, and boosting innovation. Xia Chang has details. Chinese President Xi Jinping has stressed the land as an important natural resource in economic development should better serve the high-quality development of regions which enjoy competitive strengths. He called for more efforts to optimize the land administration system so it further coordinates with macroeconomic policies and regional development. He says this will improve the efficiency and precision of land utilization. China feeds about 20% of the world's population using less than 10% of the world's arable land, a notable feat. The meeting also stressed the coordination between regional economic layout and utilizing land, understanding the primary and advantageous functions of resources in different regions. It called for improving resource utilization to serve national development accordingly. Xi Jinping also stressed promoting the overall green transition of China's economic and social development. He says this is a fundamental policy to address problems concerning resources, environment and ecology. President Xi appealed for greater efforts to promote the reduction of carbon emissions and pollution, as China aims to peak carbon emissions by 2030 and reach carbon neutrality by 2060. The meeting says to promote the comprehensive green transition of economic and social development. China must focus on key areas and build green and low-carbon development structures. China should improve fiscal, tax, financial, investment and pricing policies and relevant market-oriented mechanisms to support green and low-carbon transformation. It should provide policy support and institutional guarantees for green transformation. Xi Jinping says China should do more to strengthen the grassroots emergency management to handle disasters and accidents promptly and effectively. President Xi called for efforts to accelerate the building of basic systems for comprehensive innovation by closely focusing on the prominent issues that restrict the deep integration of science and technology with the economy. The meeting concluded saying China should continue to implement reform measures that help expand domestic demand, ensure people's livelihoods, and prevent and diffuse risks. 
This is another important year of comprehensive reform on the new journey to promote the Chinese modernization. That was Xie Chong on China's plan to improve land management as part of efforts to promote high-quality development. And for more on this, Pan Deng uh, speaks with research fellow Chu Chang at Beijing Foreign Studies University. So let's start with uh, President Xi Jinping's remarks. He stressed a need to enhance the guarantee ability of land elements to ensure high-quality development of regions have competitive strengths. Help us better understand this. Well, China do not have a privilege and the luxury, you know, to have enough land for a 1.4 billion a population. Actually, we'll be using 9% of the uh, farmable land of the whole world to feed uh, more than one-fifth of the world population. So actually, you can see the conflict and the pressure. Most of the situation in China is that we have, you know, very big province uh, in the regard of the population like Henan, like Jiangsu, like Zhejiang and Sichuan and Guangzhou. So on one hand, they have to develop industry, commerce and trade, but on the other hand, they have to make sure they have enough land to feed all these people to develop the agriculture industry. So I think the conflict between, you know, this population and also the farmable land is very acute. So what China wants to do right now is to guarantee the food security and supply of its own country, to feed people, to make sure that everybody can safely enjoy their food. But also on the other hand, we have to raise people's living standard by developing you know, trade, uh, commerce, uh, science and technology, and an industry. So what we can do to solve this problem is to use high-tech, green transition, and also the more efficient use of the land and administration of the land to you know, the better use and to utilize these resources that we have. And we have already seen many successful examples in China right now, and we're heading towards the right direction. We noticed that this crucial meeting on Monday adopted guidelines regarding land administration system reform, promoting the overall green transition of China's economic and social development. Uh, how significant is this move? You know, China is the big you know, manufacturing power. Everybody knows China used to have a very large, every, a very you know, extensive kind of industry. We call a big and dummy kind of industry. You know, they use a lot of the land and they have lots of the pollutions and emissions. So, for example, uh, in, uh, before we have a very huge in the compressors for the metal factory, and the, usually one machine will weigh more than dozens of tons. So the result is that you have only to, you know, put this machine on the ground, which means the more machine you use, the bigger factory you will have to build and the more land you have to consume and little and less land you will use on the farming and agriculture. But currently, if you see China's you know, uh, transition in the economic structure as well as the upgrading of the technology, we see China's heading towards more scientific-oriented development in the manufacturing. So right now, I've been visiting several of the high-tech you know, metallic factories. They've been using the 3D printers of the metals. So you walk into the factory, everything is not spreading out in a horizontal way, but more built in the you know, vertical way. You use very little machine. The way of the technology change actually changed the way we use land. This is a good example to show actually green transition and high-tech development is the only answer and the best answer to the conflict between in the development uh, of the economy as well as the shortage of the land supply. And this is going to be the future of Chinese way of using land. That was Chu Chiang at Beijing Foreign Studies University. 
Foreign Minister Wang Yi's expressed China's willingness to maintain high-level exchanges with Spain and promote bilateral ties to a new height. Wang made the remarks while meeting with Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez in Madrid. Noting that uh, last year marked the 50th anniversary of diplomatic relations, Wang said China is ready to work with Spain for better relations in the next 50 years. The senior diplomat also stressed the importance of uh, the European Union, saying China supports the development and growth of the bloc. Before wrapping up his visit, Wang Yi also met with Spain's King Felipe VI. Ken Brown has more. Like visiting old friends. That's how Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi described his first return to Spain in nearly six years. Meeting with Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez on Monday, they discussed bilateral and global issues with a focus on closer economic and cultural cooperation. Sanchez later communicated on social media that China is a key partner in our fight against the climate emergency and for global peace and stability. Wang Yi later met the King of Spain at the royal residence. At the Tharthuela Royal Palace is where Foreign Minister Wang Yi met with King Felipe VI, a meeting that symbolized strong ties between the two countries at a really positive moment after successful celebrations of 50 years of official diplomatic relations in 2023. Spain's Prime Minister remarked on this positive moment, highlighting his trip to China last March when he met with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Sanchez discussed deepening ties and continuity in relations, stressing the importance of a balanced and reciprocal relationship. He and Wang also discussed the important role China can play in contributing to peace in the Ukraine and Gaza conflicts. On Sunday, China's senior diplomat talked about international dialogue and keeping global trade flowing. We need cooperation and not confrontation, dialogue instead of conflict, negotiation instead of dogma, and equality in the place of power. Jointly, we can revitalize the multilateral system with the United Nations at its core. We also have to be open, not closed. It's necessary to maintain the stability and smooth flow of the industrial supply chain and improve free trade center on the World Trade Organization. Wang brought good news to Spain with an announcement that restrictions on Spanish beef imports to China were to be lifted. Spain's Minister for Foreign Affairs, José Manuel Álvarez, called the development extraordinarily positive. More good news came in the form of a young giant panda couple that will soon arrive at Madrid Zoo. After visiting the King of Spain, Wang Yi travelled to France for the China-France Strategic Dialogue in an important year for both countries that celebrate 60 years of official diplomatic relations. That was Ken Brown on Chinese Foreign, Minister's, uh, Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit to Spain. And for more on China-Spain ties and China's relations with the wider European Union, Pan Dong earlier spoke to Professor Wang Yiwei at Renmin University in Beijing. Well, Professor, China and Spain vow to continue the momentum of high-level exchanges and create a favorable political atmosphere. Uh, tell us more about your view on the potential of bilateral ties between the two sides. Firstly, this election year in the parliament, so we are paying more attention to the major uh, countries in the European Union. Traditionally, Spain is a very major partner for China in agriculture, tourists, and also for uh, telecom. And many uh, things that China want to show at the high level opening, I think, to emphasize so the, uh, the relations with uh, Spain. 
Now, we noticed that the United States says it may relax strict vehicle emissions rules it proposed last year. So um, how would this move uh, influence China and EU cooperation in green energy and EVs? Well, of course, it's uh, bad news for the China and the European uh, Green Partner because the, uh, the election in uh, the Europeans suffered uh, by the Trump's second turns. I think they also uh, want to change the policy. But, however, uh, the fragile uh, situation of uh, Europe and the competitive advantage of Europe, they need the real cooperation with China on the green and the digital transformation to enhance the competitive advantage. And that was Professor Wang Yiwei at China's Renmin University. Coming up, a U.S. proposal for a ceasefire in Gaza. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. We're at 13 minutes past the hour. United States has proposed a draft U.N. Security Council resolution calling for a temporary ceasefire. It also states its clear opposition to Israel's planned ground offensive in Rafah. Until recently, Washington had been avoiding using the word ceasefire in any U.N. action on the Israel-Hamas war. EU countries have welcomed the call and urged an immediate humanitarian pause in Gaza. However, Israel says unless Hamas frees all hostages, it'll push on with the offensive during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. Dawn. Meanwhile, Israel has carried out at least two strikes near the port city of Sidon in southern Lebanon. It's one of the largest attacks near a major city since the conflict started. Elena Bekatoros has more from Jerusalem. The Israeli military says it has struck several targets of Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. It said it struck two weapons storage depots near the southern city of Sidon and separately another area where it said there were Hezbollah fighters. Now, this is part of a pattern that has been almost daily since the start of the war in Gaza. Hezbollah, the militant organization in Lebanon, is allied with Hamas in Gaza, and it has said that it will continue rocket attacks and drone attacks into northern Israel for as long as there is no ceasefire in Gaza. So this has been a daily uh, retaliatory attacks from southern Lebanon into, Israel, into northern Israel and from Israel into southern Lebanon. But it has sparked fears that this could lead to a wider conflict spreading from the Gaza war. Now, separately, the Israeli Prime Minister has been insisting that the only way to end this war is to crush Hamas militarily, and that the only way to do that is to head into the southern city of Rafah. Now, Rafah is a town right on the Egyptian border, and it is where more than 1.4 million Palestinians are now sheltering. These are people who evacuated, many of them several times, from further north in the Gaza Strip all the way to the south in order to escape the fighting. They are now massed there in very difficult humanitarian conditions. There's a lack of food, a lack of water, uh, a lack of housing. There are people sleeping in the streets. And the Israeli military and the prime minister have said that these people would be evacuated before a ground invasion heads into Rafah. However, there has been no timeline so far for this, for the evacuation or indeed for where these people could go. There aren't very many obvious places. Much of Gaza lies in ruins. Uh, there hasn't been a timeline for this invasion, but 
Just in the last couple of days, we heard from one of the three members of Israel's war cabinet who said that unless the remaining hostages, of whom there are about 100, are released from, uh, from by Hamas, if they, unless they are released by the start of the holy month of Ramadan, which is, begins roughly around March the 10th, then that ground invasion would begin. So this is the first indication that we've had of a timeline for when this ground invasion might begin, but there's still no clarity on when the civilians might be evacuated. That was Elena Bekatoros reporting. Palestinian officials and lawyers are accusing Israel of carrying out a campaign of discrimination and apartheid over many decades. They've addressed the International Court of Justice in relation to Israel's occupation of Palestinian territories. Julia Chapman has more from The Hague. The testimony by Palestinian representatives on Monday centered on three main accusations. First, that Israel has deprived Palestinians of the right to self-determination. Second, that they have carried out apartheid by discriminating against Palestinians. And third, that their campaign of building settlements in the West Bank is tantamount to illegal territorial conquest. Lawyers argued that Israel is trying to permanently acquire Palestinian land with as few Palestinians in it as possible. Palestinian Foreign Minister Riyad al-Maliki told the ICJ's 15 judges the only solution for the end of the conflict is an end to occupation. The force of the law must prevail over the unlawful use of force. We said years ago that we made a choice, justice, not vengeance. But justice delayed is justice denied. And the Palestinian people have been denied justice for far too long. 51 countries will give evidence to the court over the coming week, including the US and China. Israel, however, is not taking part, instead submitting written testimony. Israel has denied the accusations brought against it. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says the Jewish people cannot be occupiers in their own land. On Monday, the ICJ released a statement from Israel which said an advisory opinion from the court could harm a negotiated resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The court is expected to take about six months before giving its advisory opinion. It won't be legally binding, but would add pressure to Israel amid an ever more lethal conflict in Gaza, where the same court has ordered Israel to prevent a genocide. That was Julia Chapman reporting. In the meantime, the Houthi group in Yemen says it's attacked two U.S. ships with missiles in the Gulf of Aden. A Houthi military spokesperson says the attacks brought the total number of Houthi operations during the past 24 hours to four. The other two sank a British ship and shot down a U.S. MQ-9 drone. The spokesperson says uh, their operations in the Red Sea and the Arabian Sea will not stop unless Israel stops its aggression on Hamas and the siege of the Palestinian people in Gaza is lifted. U.S. Central Command says the crew of the British cargo vessel has been transported to a nearby port. The Pentagon is reportedly investigating the cause of the crashed military surveillance drone. The U.S. military says it's conducting new airstrikes targeting the Houthis. The Central Command conducted uh, five strikes against Houthi targets on Saturday. Coming up, the benefits of China's Greater Bay Area planning in Macau. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk, 
Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. Twenty minutes past the hour, uh, China's unveiled the outline development plan for the Greater Bay Area back in 2019, and one of the aims is to promote coordinated development among Guangdong Province, Hong Kong, and Macau. Cao Chufeng has caught up with Professor Chen Guakai from the University of Macau to find out how the plan has helped researchers like him. This is Professor Chen Guakai, an expert in stem cell research. He frequently passes through customs checkpoint, traveling between the University of Macau and the Zhuhai UM Science and Technology Research Institute, or ZUMRI. This research base, established by the university, is located in the Hengqing district of Zhuhai Guangdong Province, adjacent to Macau. The travel time now is only around 10 minutes on foot. I travel back and forth almost every day because it's quite convenient now. At the University of Macau, I teach classes, and after class, I come over to the research institute. I have my own research and development projects here. But another main reason I come here is to support the overall work of our research institute. ZUMRI receives support from both the Guangdong and Macau governments. One of its primary objectives. Is to facilitate the transfer of research outcomes from the University of Macau to production lines. In ZUMRI, my team focuses on stem cell research. One project nearing production is related to skin cells. We aim for the skin cells we cultivate to be used for skin grafting and toxicity testing of cosmetics. We hope to find suitable partners in the next two to three years to bring it to fruition. Stem cell research is just one of the focuses. Teams here are also conducting research and applications in topics such as smart cities, traditional Chinese medicine, and integrated circuits. Establishing the institute in the Hengqing district is about combining the best of two worlds: the specialized technologies of Macau and the vast market and partnership opportunities of the Chinese mainland. Um, if we confine our research activities solely to Macau, the potential application scenarios may be limited, and the facilities might not be as suitable. Moreover, it's not easy for numerous research teams or collaborative groups to travel to Macau regularly. Of course, there is also significant demand on the Chinese mainland for industrial and research transformations. One of the development plans for Hengqing District is to cooperate more with Macau's special administrative region and help to promote moderate diversification of the Macau economy. The Zhuhai UM Science and Technology Research Institute is just one of the many projects that's included. That was、uh, Cao Chufeng talking to Professor Chen Guakai on how the Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area has boosted scientific exchanges in southern China. Over the past five years, cities in the Greater Bay Area have seen significant advancements in transportation, customs efficiency, and trade. In 2023, trade of the nine mainland cities in the area reached 7.9 trillion yuan, or 1.1 trillion U.S. dollars.、And、that accounted for 19 percent of the total value of imports and exports in the country. The Greater Bay Area has also been、uh, leading in global patent rankings. Alongside its economic superstructure comes a growing art and culture scene. 
Youth Music Culture. The Greater Bay Area is an orchestra that's brought young aspiring musicians together from across the region and has now received national recognition. Omar Khan visited a rehearsal to hear how music can build bridges. Classical music fills this concert hall ahead of performance by more than 80 young musicians hailing from across the Greater Bay Area. Youth Music Culture the Greater Bay Area is an upgraded international orchestra comprising outstanding musical talent who only met 10 days ago. But music is a language they all understand. Having started in 2017 with the support of Guangdong Province's Cultural Ministry, the Youth Orchestra transformed into a GBA-oriented musical group just last year. It's provided musicians under 30 to connect with their peers, both regionally and beyond. I came from the Shenzhen, which is a part of the Great Bay area. And it's my honor to be here because it's my second time to get into the concert tour like this. So I can make music with different people from different areas. Um, I can make friends for me. I think it's very important and I'm lucky. I feel so proud of uh, working with other members in IMCG from different places, even different countries. Uh, we have uh, Korean members, yeah. And we meet, we also met so many excellent musicians. I think I can learn so much from them. Some of the world's finest musicians have come to the GBA, exploring the rise in talent pool and putting on performances. It may come second to industries, but melodious verses and symphonies have the potential to turn this part of the country into a musical hub. Here, actually, you have many theaters in this area, and there is a lot of demand for cultures and for music. So I actually see in the next five, ten years a potential hub for classical music here. In Guangzhou? In GBA. the Great Bay Area. Yeah, JBA, I, I really think this is a huge thing that can happen here. The Greater Bay Area is often seen as a master plan for Southern China, focusing on business, technology, and finance. But it also goes beyond that, aiming to cultivate cultural talents and foster artistic innovation. That was Omar Khan reporting. China's 14th National Winter Games are now in full swing. The event opened on Saturday in Inner Mongolia, spurring public enthusiasm for ice and snow sports. Wang Mengjia has more. The dividend of the Winter Games Sports Gala will not only benefit sports lovers. The scenic area of the Moragula River on the Hulunbar grasslands, the closest tourist attraction to the main venue of the 14th Winter Games, is embracing the tourism surge from across the world. The atmosphere here is very good. I like it here. This scenic spot is using the climate advantage to promote development of the tourism industry. Our country could learn from this. Camel drawing sleigh rides, ice dancing, wrestling on ice. Inner Mongolian is making good use of its abundant ice and snow resources. As the nation's first comprehensive winter sports event after the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympic Games, the 14th National Winter Games is believed to have further consolidated the goal of engaging 300 million people in winter sports. And uh, that was Wang Mengjia on how the National Winter Games are boosting tourism in Inner Mongolia. 
and the 14th National Winter Games have been offering athletes their first major stage for winter sports in China after the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. The Games feature more than 3,700 athletes in 176 events across eight sports, making it the largest edition in history. They're also uh, the first time organizing competitions for amateur players. Now, 28 minutes past the hour, Beijing's down to minus 4 on Tuesday evening. Wednesday will be overcast, the high is 0. Nanchang has thunder showers and 11 this evening, then heavy rainfall and 12 degrees. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at 8 this evening. Wednesday has sunny skies and 17. Vientiane's at 22 overnight, then sunny and 36. Phnom Penh's down to 24 degrees, and then uh, sunny and 35. In Africa, Nairobi will be getting cloudy skies with a high of 29 degrees Celsius on Wednesday. Kampala's at 20 overnight, then clouds and 30. Uh, Juba's down to 22 degrees, then cloudy and 39 tomorrow. And finally to Oceania, Port Vila's 25 this evening, then cloudy skies and 31. Uh, Pia will get rainfall on Wednesday with a high of 29 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, uh, China aims to improve land management to promote high-quality development. The U.S. has proposed a draft U.N. Security Council resolution for a ceasefire in Gaza. And we looked at the benefits of China's Greater Bay Area planning for the southern city of Macau. Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday, still to come. Uh, in business, a steep drop for China's five-year loan prime rate. In sports, close matchup in curling mixed doubles at the China National Winter Games. In culture and entertainment, a museum showcasing artifacts of the Shang Dynasty from more than 3,000 years ago. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at cgtnradio. First of all, with the day's headline news, here's Tian Lu. 
Thank you, Shane. The family members of two fishermen from the Chinese mainland have arrived in Kimen Island between Fujian Province and Taiwan. They're waiting to bring the two fishermen back to the mainland. Last Wednesday, Taiwan expelled a mainland fishing boat off the coast of Fujian Province in waters near Kimen Island. The incident resulted in the deaths of two fishermen, with two others detained by Taiwan authorities. A mainland spokesperson has said since ancient times, fishermen from both sides of the Taiwan Strait have been operating in the traditional fishery zones of the strait, and there have never been restricted waters in these zones. The European Union says it has launched a naval mission in the Red Sea and the Gulf regions to safeguard its commercial and security interests. The Council of the EU says the mission, codenamed Aspides, aims to restore and safeguard freedom of navigation in the Red Sea and the Gulf. EU officials say the mission will ensure an EU naval presence in the area where Houthi attacks have targeted international commercial vessels since October 2023. The mission's headquarters will be based in Larissa, Greece. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says the UN is considering appointing a special envoy to coordinate engagement between Afghanistan's Taliban government and the international community. Guterres was speaking after a UN-sponsored meeting about Afghanistan in Doha. The Taliban declined to attend the meeting, saying its demands were not met. But Guterres still expressed optimism that the Taliban would engage in the next such meeting. We want a Afghanistan in peace, peace with itself and peace with its neighbors, able to assume uh, uh, the commitments and the international obligations of a sovereign state, and uh, 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 at the same time uh, doing so in relation to the international community, the other countries and its neighbors, and in relation to the rights of its own population. Since the Taliban took over Kabul in August 2021, it has been seeking international recognition as the country's legitimate government. But the UN said recognition is almost impossible while bans on female education and employment remain in place. The United Nations Human Rights Office has raised concerns over the UK's proposed immigration bill that aims to send asylum seekers on a one-way trip to Rwanda. This follows criticism from a UK parliamentary rights watchdog, which described the plan as fundamentally incompatible with the country's human rights obligations. Spokesperson Liz Thrussell of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights called on the UK to ensure compliance with its international obligations related to human rights and asylum seekers. We urge the UK government to take all necessary steps to ensure full compliance with the UK's international legal obligations and to uphold the country's proud history of effective independent judicial scrutiny. Such a stance is today more vital than ever. The UK Parliament's upper chamber, the House of Lords, is trying to change the bill designed to overcome the Supreme Court's ruling that Rwanda plan is illegal. The court said in November the East African nation is not a safe country for migrants.
Farmers in the Czech Republic have staged a protest in downtown Prague against the European Union agriculture policies, using hundreds of tractors to block a lane in the capital. They plan to hand the agriculture minister a letter, particularly targeting the EU's Green Deal, which calls for limits on greenhouse gas emissions and the use of chemicals. Some are demanding the government's resignation. Other farmers' groups say they plan separate demonstrations on Thursday with counterparts from neighboring countries. The European Commission has made some concessions over the last few weeks, yet similar protests have taken place across the EU. Lawyers for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange are launching what could be his final bid to avoid extradition to the US to face trial over leaking military secrets. The High Court in London is due to hear his team argue that he should be allowed a full appeal. If denied, he could be handed over within weeks. Supporters argue that Assange exposed a wrongdoing, but the US says the WikiLeaks founder put lives at risk. Originally from Australia, Assange began his legal battle in 2010 when WikiLeaks revealed confidential U.S. military files from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. He took refuge for seven years in the Ecuadorian embassy in London before being arrested in 2019. Indian farmers' campaign outside the capital are growing onions on the highway divider in a unique show of dissent of a government proposal. One farmer says they are doing that to demand minimum support prices on all crops. They have rejected New Delhi's offer of guaranteed prices for pulses, corn and cotton. Leaders of the protesters say they will continue the march towards the Indian capital. The farmers represent an influential voting bloc months ahead of a general election in May in which Prime Minister Narendra Modi will seek a record third term. Thank you very much. That was Tian Lu with your headline news. This is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, steep drop for China's five-year loan prime rate. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Maasai Mara's disrupted wildebeest migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. Tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet. 37 minutes past the hour. Turning to business now, and here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Shane. We start off with news from the stock market. The Chinese mainland markets closed higher on Tuesday. Timothy Pope has more. We saw the Shanghai Composite Index close up a bit less than half of 1%, but it was still a fairly subdued session. Uh, Now that the index is back above 2,900 points and clear of uh, the five-year lows that we saw before the holiday, real estate shares were up following the rate cuts. We saw China Vanker and Poly Developments, two of the uh, biggest developers on the Chinese mainland, uh, each up by uh, around half of 1%. Financials and healthcare stocks were also enjoying some modest gains. That was Timothy Pope in Shanghai. Elsewhere, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index gained more than half a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei dropped nearly 0.3%. China's over-five-year prime rate came in at 3.95% on Tuesday, down from the previous reading of 4.2%. The 25-basis-point drop is the largest in recent years. The one-year LPR slipped from 3.2%. 
double five to 3.45% last August and remains unchanged. A lower LPR is expected to shore up the credit and property markets and reduce the financial costs of businesses and individuals. Industry data shows that the just-concluded Spring Festival holiday saw more long-distance travel and people taking multiple trips. Over half of the trips made during the pre-period were cross-provincial ones, and 30% of holidaymakers opted for two and more destinations. Zhou Yunhan is with the State Information Center's Department of Economic Forecasting. The booming Spring Festival consumer market this year has significantly boosted the improvement and innovation of supply, pushing the entire society's supply and demand cycle to a high level. This has actually laid a solid foundation for the economy in the first quarter of this year. Meanwhile, official data shows that sales figures from key retail and catering enterprises nationwide rose 8.5% on a yearly basis over the period. Sales of green organic foods, gold and jewellery rose about 20%, while revenue of on-demand large supermarket chains grew nearly 10%. For more on China's Spring Festival holiday spending, Michael Wong spoke with Chu Qiang, a research fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University. Chu Qiang, this year's Spring Festival holiday Rapid growth we saw when it comes to service consumption across the country. In what specific ways have the holiday season helped to boost China's economy? Well, I think we just experienced the, uh, a very happy but also busy Spring Festival. I think the figures for this Spring Festival is really shining. It shows several trends in, in here. Uh, first of all, I think China you know, uh, is making its effort to improve its uh, economic structure. We have a saying that America is turning to manufacturing, but China is trying to upgrade its service sectors. And I think this Spring Festival and its data really showed that. If you take a look at the uh, you know niche market of all the spendings, uh, among all this uh, eight days, uh, people have been spending more like uh, you know 10 billion US dollars on everything. But most of them are focusing on, first of all, uh, tourism and also culture uh, products, as well as the entertainment like the Disneyland and the movies, as well as for the healthy and, uh, you know, uh, sports you know, consumptions. So that shows that people in China, the consumers in China, are really pay attention to this new trend and the new consumptions. And also, I think for the international investors or, or the enterprises, this is also a very notable trend because, uh, you know, more than just a traditional buy, buy, buy kind of, a, uh, you know, traditional spring festival, people just trying to buy things, people are more paying attention and paying their money on experiencing, on entertainment, and uh, on the culture, you know, uh, the sense of the cultures. So I think this will be the future for the Chinese economy and upgrading. That was Chu Qiang at Beijing Foreign Studies University offering his analysis of China's Spring Festival holiday consumption. Asia's biggest air show is underway in Singapore, with over a thousand companies from more than 50 countries participating. Among them is China's first domestically produced passenger jet, the C919 aircraft, which made its debut overseas. For more on the highlights of the air show, Mira Lu spoke with Chen Chuanren, Asia-Pacific correspondent with Aviation Week Network. China uh, COMEX um, C919 is the biggest highlight of this year's Singapore Air Show. We are currently at the COMEX booth because they announced a, a first deal uh, outside of China. How significant was that signing, China? The signing of the uh, COMEX uh, C919 and the ARJ21 with um, Tibet Airlines is, um, as you mentioned, is the first outside of um, China um, in Singapore Air Show. 
Um, and what's more interesting for aviation uh, analysts like us is that it is uh, signing for the uh, shortened Plato version of the C919 as well as the ARJ21s, uh, designed specifically for high altitude operations in Tibet. So this is something that we are looking forward to. And of course, beyond the um, signing with uh, Tibet Airlines, there's also another uh, requirement for six ARJ21s from uh, Lessor in Hernan. Um, that deal alone is, is interesting as well uh, because it's a requirement for six ARJ21s in different um, configurations. Uh, you are looking at freighter conversion, um, there's medivac um, uh, versions, as well as even a firefighting uh, configuration for the ARG21. So in the coming years, uh, given these, um, these deals, uh, we might be able to see new versions of these Chinese aircraft into the market very soon. Like you, I've been coming to the air show for quite a few years. It's always uh, the first day, second day, you hear a lot of deal signing from Boeing, from Airbus. And it's quite exciting to hear that uh, Comac, after so many years in design development, uh, today at the Singapore air show, uh, it's kind of their coming of age moment, isn't it? So why do you think they chose Singapore air show uh, as the platform for them to having so many display and announcements? I think it's also a matter of time and space. You know, um, I think a couple of months ago we see um, the C91, first C919 being introduced into China Eastern Airlines, meaning you know, the, the supply chain, um, the support and uh, it's ready to be entered into the commercial um, service. And um, the fact that Singapore is you know, uh, relatively close to China say about six hours flight from Shanghai to Singapore, you know, it gives, it gives um, um, Comet uh, the confidence to, to be able to bring the aircraft um, for, to fly non-stop from China to Singapore, uh, and as, as well as the support uh, required um, to support the uh, flying of the C919. So um, again, um, the Southeast Asian market is also a market that I think um, Comet or China is looking at very closely. Uh, as we know, um, the, one of the first customers of the um, C, um, ARJ21, this Indonesian Trasnusa, which is also appearing here uh, at Singapore Air Show for the first time. Um, it's also an indication of the, the market that Comex is, is looking at. Um, in the future, I'm thinking that they might look at the Belt and Road Initiative um, um, direction. So you are probably looking at uh, Indonesia, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos as potential customers, which is again in the whole Southeast Asian ASEAN um, geography area. There was Chen Chuan Ren, Asia-Pacific correspondent with Aviation Week Network, talking about the highlights of the ongoing Singapore airshow. China has launched a census to take stock of the production, storage, utilization and security of data resources across the country. According to the National Data Administration, the census aims to provide statistical support for policymaking as well as the launch of pilot demonstration programs. The participants include provincial-level government departments, manufacturers of data collection and storage equipment, enterprises in various sectors and other data resources. China launched a three-year campaign in December to promote the use of data in an effort to promote the high-level application of data and strengthen data security. Local authorities say the number of high-tech enterprises in Guangdong province has exceeded 75,000. By the end of 2023, the province's estimated annual research and development expenditure topped 460 billion yuan, or about 64 billion US dollars. It boasts over 1.3 million R&D personnel and more than 665,000 valid invention patents. Meanwhile, Guangdong saw the filing of 23 
1,700 international patent applications via the Patent Cooperation Treaty. The province in southern China saw its GDP surpass 13 trillion yuan last year, topping the country for 35 consecutive years. Right, thank you very much. That was Wang Zihang with Business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, it was a close match in curling mixed doubles at the China National Winter Games. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. At 47 minutes past the hour now, turning to sports, here's Brandon Yates. Thank you, Shane. Heilongjiang managed to defeat Fujian in the curling mixed doubles event at the China National Winter Games. It was a tight match and went to an extra end after being tied at six after eight ends. Heilongjiang managed to steal a point at the end to seal a 7-6 win. Elsewhere, Olympic gold medalist snowboarder Su Yiming has been training in slope style and big air at the Games. His event has been postponed due to the weather. Su explained how he trained in the conditions. I only tried the big air once before the venue was closed due to strong winds. So we decided temporarily to try the slope style because the speed needed for it is not so demanding. We can at least train a little bit test my equipment and speed. No matter how the schedule changes, I'm focused on my training and in the best form for the competition. Both styles have been postponed until the weekend. In tennis, Zhang Zhijian charged past 7th seed Lorenzo Musetti at the Qatar ExxonMobil Open. The world number 48 produced a scintillating first-round performance in tricky conditions. He only dropped two games in his 6-2, 6-love win at the hard-court ATP 250. Zhang struck 19 winners and converted 6 of 9 breakpoints he earned. He managed to wrap up his victory in just 61 minutes. In football, Atletico Madrid have called up Alvaro Morata and Gabriel Paulista for the Champions League trip to Inter Milan. Both players were absent from the 5-0 win over Las Palmas on the weekend. Morata is on the squad following a knee injury, whereas an abdominal issue has kept centre-back Gabriel out. Ahead of the clash, Atletico Madrid Diego Simeone, the manager of the club, says Inter is one of the best teams in Europe right now. The first thing when you talk about Inter Milan, you have to think about one of the four or five best teams in Europe at this moment. Because what they are doing in the league speaks for itself and how they are carrying it forward. The way they played in the Champions League last season and a great final against Manchester City. Now they are competing with even more confidence. I like the way they play a lot. Elsewhere in the Champions League, PSV take on Borussia Dortmund and Dortmund manager Eden Terzic also praised his opponents ahead of the game. They are full of confidence because they are, they, they, they are winning many games in, 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 in the Eredivisie and um, Serginho Dest is playing a, a big part of it, a very, very good player. And so we are really happy to be here. We know that we are here for a reason. Our reason to be here is to qualify for, for the next round and because we did a good job in the, in the, in, in the group stage. And so we are we, we're going to enjoy, but the, we are not here to enjoy only the stage of the Champions League. We are here to, to get the job done and to qualify for, for the next round. And this is, this is the most important for us. 
In the English Premier League, defending champions Manchester City play Brentford. Napoli has fired manager Walter Mazzari. The news comes ahead of Wednesday's Champions League round of 16 first leg game against Barcelona. The Italian champions have announced that Slovakia coach Francesco Calzona will replace Mazzari. Calzona will take charge with immediate effect with the deal until the end of the season. He will also remain in charge of the Slovakia national team and will lead them into the European Championship. He becomes Napoli's third different coach of a chaotic campaign. So far, they have failed to hit the highs of last year's title triumph under Luciano Spalletti. Real Madrid is in talks with PSG forward Kylian Mbappe over signing on a free transfer this summer. The Spanish side is reportedly optimistic about concluding a deal soon. Mbappe has informed PSG that he would be leaving as a free agent when his contract expires at the end of this season. Madrid submitted a formal contract offer to the France International last month, and during this time PSG was still hopeful of convincing the star player to stay. A contract is yet to be signed between Madrid and Mbappe, with some details still needing to be ironed out. And finally, reports are emerging of potential candidates to replace Bayern Munich manager Thomas Tuchel if he is sacked. Liverpool target Chubby Alonso is the preferred candidate at this stage. However, the Bavarian club is also looking at Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Zinedine Zidane. The pressure has increased on Tuchel following Bayern's 3-2 loss at Bochum this weekend. The result leaves the German giants eight points behind Alonso's Bundesliga leaders Bayer Leverkusen. It was also a third straight defeat for Bayern. Facing a first trophyless season in 12 years, Bayern's primary plan remains to reach the end of the campaign with Tuchel. They hope to honestly assess the situation once the season concludes. Right, thank you very much. That was Brandon Yates with Sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, a museum showcasing artifacts of the Shang Dynasty from more than 3,000 years ago. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour brings you an hour of comprehensive news and information from both China, China and the rest of the world. Rest of the world. A mix of news, sports and entertainment, in-depth analysis of the day's big stories, as well as the most comprehensive business of the day. The Beijing Hour, the Beijing Hour, your very own window to China and the rest of the world. 53 past the hour. Turning to culture and entertainment now, and uh, Yang Guang joins us. Thank you, Shane. The new building of the Inshu Museum and in Ruins in Henan province will open to the public on Monday. The site is the location of the last capital of the Shang Dynasty more than 3,000 years ago. The museum will showcase nearly 4,000 items, including cultural relics, bronzeware, portrait, jade objects, and oracle bones. Over three-quarters of the relics at the exhibition will be making their debut appearances. This will be the first national major archaeological museum to present the Shan civilization. China is roaring to the year of the lone or the Chinese dragon. Symbols of the mythical creature are popping up nationwide. Yang Jinhao joins an American curator to seek out the symbol in the southwestern city of Kunming. I'm here in southwest China's Kunming, which is hailed as the city of eternal spring. The country is celebrating the most important festival, uh, the Chinese New Year or Spring Festival. Today, I will take you on a tour of the city to feel the festive atmosphere. And I'm very thrilled to have my friend Jeff with me. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is made out of wood, but I just really like the way it kind of comes in and out of the ground and, you know, it really kind of, it's, it's very modern, but it picks yeah. up on a lot of the very traditional ways that we see dragons in Chinese art. 
from your observation, how is the image different in Chinese and Western cultures? In China, there's this whole uh, kind of mythology behind, you know, dragons can be friendly and they can be a force for the good, um, and you have, you know, powerful monks or other people uh, managing to subdue dragons and, and provide water for a town or all kinds of great benefits. While in the West, they tend to, you know, eat all the sheep and, you know, kidnap the princess yeah. and, then, and then the knights gotta go out and fight him. This one is quite different. It's red and uh, we can see there are flower decorations on its horn. Maybe it's a girl dragon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there are also some uh, Chinese idioms, including this character, Long, which usually convey some positive meaning. So could you name some? Uh, there's Long Ma Jing Zhen. Long Ma Jing Zhen, like right. the, What is that, like the, the, to be spirited like a dragon? Yeah. And uh, the one that becomes really relevant right now is Wang Zi Chen Long. Wang Zi Chen Long, right. Because it's the idea of, you know, that have you, may your children prosper like dragons. And there's... Uh, you know, this whole idea, actually, uh, every dragon year is a, is a kind of a mini baby boom. So, Jeff, we know that paper cutting is a very traditional uh, art form in China. So, how much do you know about it? Um, well, I know that it's a decorative form often used on windows and doors in China, and it's very closely associated with the new year. It's, uh, you can tell that it's not an easy skill to learn. So, Jeff, how about sending some New Year wishes to our audience? Yes, may everyone have a wonderful and prosperous Year of the Dragon. Yeah. Happy the Year of Long. That was Yang Jinhao in Kunming. World-renowned Chinese pianist Lang Lang performed in Rome on Monday evening. The performance was the first of a series of concerts that will bring him across Europe and North America in the next four months. Lang Lang played pieces by classical composers Gabriel Fahey, Robert, Robert Schumann, and Frederick Chopin. This was his first concert in the Italian capital since 2021. After Rome, Lang Lang is expected in Turin on Friday before leaving for Germany. And finally, domestic drama Article 20 topped China's daily box office charts on Monday. The film is inspired by the public discussion about how a justifiable defense can be determined in handling lawsuits. The film generated 93 million yuan, or about 13 million US dollars, on the day. Domestic comedy drama Pexus 2 secured the second spot on the daily box office chart, grossing almost 88 million yuan. It was followed by hugely popular comedy film YOLO, which amassed about 87 million yuan on Monday. Right, thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with Culture and Entertainment. We're at 58 past the hour, Beijing down to minus 4 on Tuesday evening. Wednesday, we'll see overcast conditions, the high up to zero. Uh, Nanchang has thunder showers in 11 overnight, then heavy rainfall in 12 degrees. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to 8. Wednesday, we'll see sunny skies in 17. Vientiane's at 22 overnight, then sunny in 36. Phnom Penh's down to 24 degrees, uh, sunny in 35 on Wednesday. In Africa, Nairobi's getting cloudy conditions and a high of 29 tomorrow. Uh, Kampala's at 20 overnight then cloudy in 30. Juba's down to 22 degrees, then cloudy and 39. Finally to Oceania, Port Vila's 25 this evening. Wednesday is cloudy and uh, 31. Uh, Apia will have rainfall Wednesday. The high is 29 degrees Celsius. 
And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, China aims to improve land management to promote high-quality development. And the U.S. has proposed to draft U.N. Security Council resolution for a ceasefire in Gaza. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From north to south, east to west. People in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. 